Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build a life that you want to live. My name is Patrick Strevens, and this podcast is, of course, something of a journey. It's, uh, it's me journaling and journeying uh, toward peace of mind. And, you know, if such a thing is possible, that's where I'm hoping to head by the end of my lifetime, <laughs> or maybe after. And I hope that this will be a part of your journey um, as you work towards a better life as well. I think, too, it's worth saying that as much as I've tried, I always end up framing these conversations as me speaking to you. Although I must say it's more like me speaking to my past and future self and allowing you to listen in. I don't ever want to be seen as a, you know, a guru or one of those people that will tell you how to live. I think there's, you know, you as the listener can get that anywhere else in the world, podcasts, news, social media, you know, your parents, <laughs> your spouse, your kids, everyone's going to tell you how to live. Uh, I don't think that that's really my place. So let's get on with it. Then the topic of this, uh, this particular idea, I wrote it down as managing our desires to live in the now. And that's where I started. It's not necessarily where I ended up, but I hope you will find it useful. I want to give you some practical ideas and a way of thinking that I've developed for myself that can help you as it helped me, I believe, with problems of feeling dissatisfied, of feeling like you're underachieving, of feeling unfulfilled. And as I say this now, I'm I'm realizing I'll need to make sure I make that point as I'm going to make a bunch of points, but we have to be sure that we're solving this problem, right? If you feel dissatisfied, you feel as though you're underachieving, you know, you feel as though you're impotent, you failed, you're unfulfilled, you're not where you want to be. I believe this way of thinking can help us. As well, I think if you find yourself unfocused, distracted, unsure, you know, if you have problems of desire, right? If you're focusing on what you want, more than working on actually going after it, or if you maybe feel like you want things that aren't good for you, if you're going after things that are maybe just self-medication or distraction, and you're not focusing on where you are now or the process you're undertaking to get there, I hope this way of thinking could help you. I want to first draw your attention to David R. Hawkins' model of consciousness, and I'll put a, a link uh, in the notes so you can see this image uh, it's basically a spectrum and i'm not going to pretend to fully understand this but have a look at it and i want to draw your attention to the lower end of the spectrum where we see things like shame shame is the absolute bottom as well a little higher up than that we see desire and i, I want to focus on those two i really think that shame and as you see there shame views life as misery and desire views life as craving. I want to now superimpose my own sort of thoughts onto that. I really believe that if we're living in a shameful way, if we feel shame about what we've done and we view life as misery, in a lot of ways we're, we're living in the past, right? It's something has happened to us, perhaps out of our control, if we've been victimized, traumatized, or we've, we've just failed, or we've, we've committed some, some stupid, horrible act, as we all have done. 
But if you're making that, if you're viewing your entire self in that way, based on that shameful episode or that shameful period, you're not living in the now, right? You're not focused on present, being in the present, being mindful. I call it temporal instability, right? Temporal as in time and unstable as in we do as human beings have to balance our existence across past, present, future. But if you're living with shame or guilt or anger about things that you've done, things that you've done being the the key phrase there, you're living in the past. And similarly with desire, you know, if you're craving things, if you're, if you desire to have something, you know, quite possibly you're living in the future or you may even be living in an alternate fantasy timeline. You know, and let me be the first to say that I, I've been there myself. I, I've I lived in a shameful mode for a long, long time. And desire is still something that I, I battle with. And I have to question every time when I find myself craving or desiring something, it's, well, why do I want that? But I would say that, you know, looking at this model and looking at where we can go, if we're starting from a place of shame or desire, we can work our way up to a place of at least neutrality or willingness, right? We can begin to view life as not so horrific. You know, to me, the fundamental difference, right? So if, again, if you're feeling dissatisfied, you're feeling like you're underachieving, you're unfulfilled, uh, you have problems with focus, with, with, with being distracted, of being unsure about where you're even supposed to be going, This is what I've sort of come to call negational living. Now, previously, I think in another episode, I framed it as uh, being ungrateful or or living without gratitude. But I want to speak really, really to the point about living in negation. So, I mean, you might say, well, I'm, I'm ungrateful about the things I have. It's like, okay, that's one way to look at it. But this living negationally, right? It's, that's a major source of misery for us. What do I mean when I talk about this? Well, maybe maybe how about some examples, right? You often hear it's an age-old problem, of course. I'm not sexually attractive or physically attractive to enough people or to anyone or to a certain person, right? You might say, I'm not in that league or I can't get her or I couldn't please them. That's a direct example of living negationally. You are Framing your existence, framing your self-concept, framing the way you look at yourself based on what you're not, based on an absence. And and I would say that this idea of sexual attraction and physical attraction is even more doubly insidious because now you're saying, well, okay, I'm not this, and I actually now presume to know what that person thinks. I mean, unless they've told you outright, of course, but... Let's say you're making that blanket statement. Well, I'm just not attractive to anybody in my class, anybody that I work with, anybody that I ever meet. It's like, okay, really? Right? Like you're pretending to now know that what other people think and they all seem to have a low opinion of you and don't want to have anything to do with you. So this goes to that idea of, of Hawkins' model of consciousness where we, you know, if you're living as someone who's ashamed, you're living as someone who feels guilt or anger, you project that onto life, onto the world, and you see life, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but you're now, it's a very selfish way of living to project your own misery that you've more or less chosen to continue with onto the outside world. 
maybe an indirect example of living negationally would be when we when we don't carry ourselves with confidence. And let me be the first to say I lived a long time doing that myself. You know, afraid to engage with others. You know, had a hard time starting a conversation or making eye contact with others. You know, not pursuing what I wanted, or or even being distrustful and, and misanthropic. Right. And when I say misanthropic, basically just means you hate or dislike people. Right. Mis as in hatred and anthro as in people. Misanthropic. And so, when you live in that negational way, it becomes a source of misery. Of course we'd be ashamed and angry and craving and apathetic if we're first seeing what we're not. And you know, quite plainly, if I could go back to myself 10 years ago, I would say it's no way to live. This is no way to live, but I didn't understand it then. And that's perhaps more could be made about that is like you may not understand how you're living. You may just be so consumed by the problems you've had and again, your problems could be far worse than mine, whatever's happened to you in life. And it's it's how you you now have shaped your worldview. And it's understandable. But if you're here, I, I have a sense that you've, you're probably at least aware that better is possible for you and you want to work on changing that. So let's let's keep going. When we don't love ourselves, we cannot love others. And when we believe that what we are not is more than what we are, we rightly believe that we have little to bring to the table. Okay, that's negation in a nutshell. When you believe that what you're not is more than what you are. And think about that. Think about that. Isn't that right in some sense? It's like, of course, all the things that you're not are are way more than what you are. If you really wanted to get material about it, you're just one person. But then that supposes that you don't have any interest in digging into the infinite universe that is you and all the potential you do have and all the things that you could do. So if you go around living like that, you have nothing to bring to the table. But again, I would say, in some sense, we do get to shape our reality based on our thoughts. So if you choose to believe that you are enough and that you have something to contribute, work on those things and bring them to the table. So it's that old cliche, if you think you can, you can, and if you think you can't, you're right. So if you feel, uh, you know, a sense of shame, of dissatisfaction, or you know that you're capable of more, if you're distracted by your urges, right? If you if you kind of got that shiny object syndrome, you're chasing a different partner, a different hobby, a different vice, a different video game, you know, a different if you have trouble finishing what you started, let's say, and yet you now remain focused on all this buildup of the things that you have left undone, we can start to talk about Uh, some practical steps to changing that. I should say too, there is a difference between what we kind of crave that's, that's bad for us, that we know that's bad for us, right? Substance abuse, uh, you know, multiple sexual partners, casual sex, dangerous sexual practices, uh, laziness, right? Bad food, 
you name it. Spending too much time staring at the screen, not enough time moving. There's a lot of things that we sure think we like to do, that we want to do, that we wish we were doing that really aren't all that good for us. There's a difference between those vices, those cravings, that that sort of self-medication, that numbing behavior, and the things that we want, that we are actively working to pursue. So the first step then is to be very, very honest with yourself about these things that you seem to want, right? And we're talking now about the desire side of things. As with most work in self-development, this, what you're beginning, what I'm talking about that I wish I had discovered sooner, but couldn't have, right? It all happens for a reason at the right time. This process of self-development will not be a success without honesty and openness. And as I've said, I suspect that you, the listener, are here because you're, you're open to that, right? This, this is probably not earth-shattering news to you. So let me talk a little bit then about what I've deduced about myself and how I've come up with this. And then I promise we will get to practical steps that you can, that you can yourself undertake to hopefully move past these feelings of dissatisfaction and shame and start fulfilling your potential. So me personally, I was living in a, in a victim consciousness. And you'll see that uh, if I remember to post the right <laughs> picture of Hawkins' model. Um, those low, low end, that low end of the spectrum with shame and guilt and apathy and anger, that's a, that's a victim consciousness, right? That's, you know, and fair enough, you may have had things done to you that were unfair and you may have been victimized, but if you continue to wear the victim label and the victim, the, you know, the victim mindset forever, then the world starts to look like a pretty awful place. And again, I, I know there's people who've been more victimized, more traumatized than I have or can even imagine. And they have shaped their own worldview accordingly. I have a lot of empathy for that. I know some people like that personally. So again, I don't believe that the voice of some guy on a podcast is going to change your life today. Uh, But let me just say, if you are continuing to wear the victim mindset without any work to changing it. If you continue just to feel dissatisfied, you continue to be ruled by your desires and your emotions without any work towards changing it, then I can't help you. If you're willing to take the first step and listen to what I have to say, maybe then we can get somewhere. And again, in a lot of ways, I'm talking to myself from 10, 15 years ago. So because of some events that happened in, in my life, I was living uh, in that victim consciousness. I was living in pain, you know, believing that, listen now, more had been taken from me than was given. Okay, I was in a wounded ego state. I believed that more had been taken from me, that more was lost than had been given or gained. That was wrong. No matter how much you've been victimized, no matter how much pain you're in, if you're alive and if you're willing to start taking steps, then you have all that you need. You have to, you have to flip that horizon and stop seeing all that's been taken as being more. 
Now, it took me probably 20 years to fully realize the problem. I had to go into the depths of hell with this problem, have it play out, have it ruin relationships, lead to substance abuse, all these sorts of things, lead to behavior that I'm not proud of. To realize finally that regardless of what had happened, no one was going to fix me but me. There was no amount of self-medicating. There was no amount of avoidance. There was no amount of foolish pride that was going to fix me. Now, I would say, too, I had a lot of luck. I discovered some things that have sort of accelerated my uh, rise up the spectrum of consciousness, if you will, from shame towards at least to courage, seeing that it was doable. And that's where I would encourage you to shoot for. You know, you may still see the world as being antagonistic to you, that the world is still a challenge to you, but at least if you can get there and believe that you are up to the challenge, that's a lot better than just sitting there feeling like you've been beaten. So me personally, I worked hard and I pursued a better life and I'm trying to talk about it on this show. And I, you know, in some ways I'm not sure why I did that, why, why I just never gave up, but let that be a lesson to you that if you're able, just keep going. You know, I'll make three quick points here that I wish I'd heard sooner. But again, I'm hoping maybe this will catch somebody at the right moment. Or if nothing else, it'll reaffirm it for me. Your problems won't be solved if you're not honest about them. Your problems will not be solved if you don't believe they can be solved. And your problems will not be solved if you do not seek to fully understand them. And it is your wounded ego that's holding you back. Okay? If your sense of self-importance, your sense of self, your precious little you has been in some way vandalized, tarnished, victimized, and you continue to hold on to that, that is the reason you cannot move forward. I'm going to drop something kind of radical on you here now. We are all one. We are the universe realizing itself. We are all made of stars. Now this is not some hippy-dippy bullshit as I would have probably (laughs) imagined it to be not that long ago. But think about this. We're all made up of the same substance that makes up the rest of the universe. We're all part of of the universe, uni as in one. It's all one. You are not different from the universe. You are not apart from the universe. You are a part of the universe. Again, this is my own realizations that I'm talking about. So I saw a really neat picture and I've not been able to find it, but basically picture a monster that looked a monster that looked something like, I don't know, Grimace from McDonald's or, or whatever, but he had, you know, a big red, goofy, smiling monster. And he had his fingers, and on each of his fingers was a little face. And then he was putting his fingers up through the ground. Okay, now each one of those fingers with a face, let's say, represents us, me, you, your friend, your mom, your dad your landlord, that neighbor downstairs. 
and yet we're all connected to this big goofy red monster. So you could even think of it, for those of you that are familiar with Pokemon, with the Pokemon Diglett. So there's a bunch of little Diglets coming up out of the ground, but under the ground, all those Diglets are just fingers on one hand. Now, what the hell is he talking about now? It is our ego that has us believing that we are all separate little diglets. That we're, that I'm me and you're you and we're nothing alike. When in fact, you could get quite radical and say that when I look at you, I'm seeing more of me. You're made of the same stuff as me. Right? You're alive at the same time as me. We're going through life. We're going through this crazy universe together. We are this crazy universe together. When your ego is wounded like that, it has to cling to something. And so often what happens is that it has us believing that we are somehow separate. The step that I had to make, and I I guess maybe, well, and we all have a sort of religious bone in our body, let's say. Humans just seem to, and a lot of people reject it, but, you know, without going too far down the rabbit hole, if you reject a higher power in the form of atheism, you're still claiming a form of knowing. Now, if you reject outright that you could ever know the higher power, then you're sort of agnostic. And I think that's more or less where I fall. But I'm choosing to be agnostic and say, I don't think I could ever know the face of God. But I started acting like I was a part of what was going on. And I'm not saying it's this anthropomorphic God in the sky that created me and looks down on me and shakes his head when I, you know, <laughs> but I started acting as though the universe was all one thing. And then I was a part of that thing. It's like a pure form of belonging. It's this thing that we're all a part of. Nobody can tell you that you're not. Nobody can exclude you from this group. Okay. Your ego wants you to be separate. You know, the mind needs to discern individual objects from other individual objects. And that makes sense for our survival and for our navigation of the world. But I found a deep sense of meaning when I concocted this theory that the universe is all one thing. It's all a a vibrating mass of energy. And I'm just more of that. I vibrate too. I began to, in fact, think that the, the the energy from wherever, whatever that source is, maybe there is no source. Maybe that's the whole point. It's just one unified vibration. That vibration runs through me. It's my ego that has me believing that I'm somehow different or separate or apart from what's going on. We're all a part of what's going on. What is going on is what we are. And so if your self-concept You know, if the way that you look at yourself and say, well, I'm miserable and sad because of what happened to me, right? I got hooked on, I was bullied. I got hooked on drugs. I haven't made a life for myself. But those bullies and those people that sold me the drugs and those people that wouldn't hire me, they're all against me. And actually the whole world is against me. So, okay. You're miserable, and now you've sort of transposed that misery onto the world. So, in so much as you refuse to be a part 
of this gigantic, awesome universe, you're being incredibly selfish by projecting the way that you look at the world onto the world. That's egocentrism. And that's selfish. If you are in pain, if you're dissatisfied and you're choosing to believe that the whole world is just like you and against you, that's selfish. And you need to change that. And I was selfish and egocentric for a long time myself. So if you see yourself as this isolated being, you know, focused on what you don't have or what you are not or what you have lost or what's been taken from you or all the bad stuff that people said about you, you're negating your existence. You know what I mean? You're thinking yourself out of existence. So here's finally, after 20-some minutes, the, <laughs> the first practical tip I'm going to give you. Try for once focusing on what you are. Truly, it's all you have. I mean, I just finished saying we're all part of the universe. So you may even choose to say, try for once focusing on the fact that you are a part of something bigger. You're connected to the stars, to the rivers, to the person across the street to your dog, to that bird, to that plant. Yes, they're all, they all function in your mind as individual objects, but you're also made of the same stuff. You're all singing the same song. You're all vibrating, the, not vibrating the same, but you're all vibrating. That gigantic invisible song is all of us vibrating in harmony. Why don't you join the choir? Try for, try for once focusing on what you are. So you'll continue in your misery and in your misanthropic worldview until you see yourself as being a part of a bigger picture. I'm not punching, I'm not <laughs> pumping or pushing religion on you. It's not religion. This is not a form or a source of knowing or knowledge. It's throwing up our hands and saying, human language cannot put this into words as much as we try. But I am part of the universe, period. You don't need a book to tell you that. You don't need a book to tell you to wash your hands and wash your feet before you say it. You can just do it. I am part of the universe. Now, of course, we I've said this already, but I'll say it again. We want we want things. Of course we want things. Sexual partners, wealth, pleasure. We want to be liked. We want to belong. But when your wants define who you are, especially if you're not working to achieve them, especially if they're really not good for you, especially if they lead you down towards toxic habits, towards danger, you know, self-harm, if they distract you, if they numb you, if they prevent you from a better life overall, then all those wants really don't matter. And just like I found out that even when you get those things that you want, it really doesn't matter when you get them if you don't want the right things. I'm not sure why I put that there, but I said it again. So The point I just made about try for once to focus on what you are leads us to this idea that I've recently come across affirmations. I don't know the root of the word. I should have looked it up. But affirm, affirm, affirm. Look, I was having a conversation with somebody uh, over the holidays. 
and they're 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 down on themselves, right? And they don't they don't have a particularly uh, a particularly sustainable, prideful view of themselves. Let's say they don't have a lot of self confidence, and then and so they sort sort of project that distrust onto most other people, and so they live in a in a sort of sad, depressed way. And I was saying, well, why don't you just try for a week, just look in the mirror and say, I am the almighty God of my own universe. I am the almighty God of my own universe. I am strong. I am powerful. I can do whatever I desire. Maybe not the right choice of words, huh? I am strong. I am powerful. I am growing. I am building. And there, of course, as you would imagine, there reaction to that was was that well that's ridiculous that's like egotistical hubris whatever hubris meaning thinking you're a god but if you're dissatisfied if you're ashamed if you don't if you're not where you want to be something's got to change so why not give this a shot affirmations so this now leads us to the first sort of practical step after half an hour (laughs) or so is affirmations. This is something I've recently begun, and it's very simple. It's very simple. As I was saying, try to just affirm, that is, positively write down that which you are. Okay, so you have uh, identified that you're living in this mindset of being, of being negative, of looking at the things that you're not. Well, okay, all right. You can do that. You can do that in ten minutes, just like you have been for the rest of your life. Why not now take 10 minutes to write down all the things you are? We already started with one. You are part of the universe. You are made up of the same substance that makes up stars and riverbanks and woolly mammoths, right? You're a part of something. Something no no one can fully understand. Something that is nothing short of a miracle. Start there. And then, well, go ahead. What do you got? What are you? Think about it. Have you not? Have you at all? You got to be talented in some way. And it's going to feel, I would say, it's going to feel weird, right? Because you're, you're not going to be used to it. And it's it actually, personally, it still feels a little strange for me to, to say these things. But if you, if you struggle to write down and to focus on the things that you are, and they don't have to be all positive things like, I am a human being, I have a house, I pay rent, right? This, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be baby steps, right? I have a dog, I look after that dog, that dog loves me. You may eventually find a list of a hundred things that you are, then move on to affirming all those things that you can do or will do, like at some point, what I'm advocating here for is for you to start writing your life story. And I've said as much before. Affirmations are another form of that. I am a good dog owner. I am a compassionate person. I am a responsible person. I pay rent on time. Like, let's take some small victories here, right? You got to start filling this big negational, big black hole of your identity that you've built. You got to start filling it now with positivity. And I don't just mean positivity like you're the best, go for it. Positive is in things that are actually materially real and happening. 
And I'll bang off another another practical tip is gratitude, okay? So whereas we talked about negational living being a form of ungratefulness, right? Leading with all the things that you're not. Now it's time to start leading with the things that you're grateful for. And you know what? You may have less... It may be easy to affirm a hundred things about yourself, like I am alive, I am sitting at a table, I paid rent this month, I made it to work on time every day, I am drinking less coffee than I was last year, whatever that looks like. I have two friends instead of one friend. Okay, well now it's time to start being grateful for those things, right? I'm grateful for this dog that loves me. I'm grateful for this cat that lives in this apartment with me. I am grateful to be a part of this crazy universe. I am grateful, and you might not get here very, you know, right away, but I am grateful for the suffering. Right? I am grateful for the pain. Because once you stop using that pain to shape your worldview, you realize that, that that pain will have made you stronger. It'll have given you the courage to go forward and build this life that you want. And if you'd like, you could include, I am grateful for the self-control, how to build a better life podcast and everything Patrick says. Go ahead and throw one in there for me if you like. Let's talk about this idea of temporal instability. Okay, so again... Very simple. It was took a long winding road to get there, but it's easier said than done to not dwell on the past. But I found that you can exhaust that dwelling on the past with journaling. You know, if you if you want to go if you want to go the road of therapy, speak to someone that you trust, a professional, or just conversations with trusted friends who will listen. Through prayer, through affirmation, through gratitude, you can begin to exhaust that dwelling on the past. Instead of wordlessly, obsessively repeating these minute thought patterns that just sort of have that negative, anxious flavor about, oh, whatever you did or whatever happened to you, get that past life out onto the damn page and think about it. Speak it out. This is what happened. This is what made me who I am today. This happened and this is why I am not lived up to my potential. It's it's ruined me or it's I've almost let it ruin me. It's compromised me. Okay, get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Speak it. Write it. Understand it. Because if you're spending all this time living in the past, wordlessly living in the past, or you know, maybe you get drunk and then you blather on about it, you're not in control of it, are you? You have to make time to live in the past. Make time to live in the present. Make time to live in the future. So a certain amount of compartmentalization will be necessary, meaning I'm going to write about these issues that have happened to me in the past and why I'm why they've led me down this road. Or I'm going to talk to somebody about them. I'm going to pray about it. And then you have to move on. Because as I've said on the show many times, the majority of life, I think, should, or at least for me, needs to be lived in like present mindfulness. That's when we're actively taking control of our breathing, 
right? In through the nose, out through the nose using the diaphragm. My thoughts are as much as possible on the task at hand, on the present moment, on what's happening in front of me. I'm not thinking about the past. I'm not living in that obsessive or anxious complex of sort of wordless, hard to grasp, but just generally negative thoughts. Because now I'm not breathing right. Now I'm not focusing on what I'm doing. And similarly, this idea of desire or that craving, now you're, now you're, you're temporarily unstable, right? You're not living in the present because you're living in the future or you're living in an alternate fantasy projection, right? Of course, it's fun to imagine and to dream. And in fact, we have to do those things. But make time for that. Write it down. What do I want? What's my dream life look like? That's fun. Imagine a better world. Imagine how you could work to that better world. But if you're at work thinking, I'd rather be at home looking at porn, or you're at school thinking, I'd rather be on the couch smoking weed, or you're at dinner thinking I'd rather be fucking the person at the next table rather than talking to the person in front of me, where are you, right? You're one foot in your life and you're one foot out. No wonder you're dissatisfied. So there's my third challenge for you is to identify how this practice of temporal instability, too much time dwelling on the past, not enough time in the present, too much time in the future or too much time and fantasy alternate timelines. But again, remember that those things where you, where you drift to in your mind in the past or where you drift to in the future, you need to make time to entertain those, to tease them out, to see them for what they are and find out what they tell you about yourself and your story. You don't shut them out. You don't shut them up, but you have to deal with them. As they say, you have to Feel it to heal it. So again, if you're living this life of shame, dissatisfaction, you may have a problem with negational living, with framing your whole entire worldview as being negative, as being, I'm not this, I'm not that, and the whole world is against me. Or if you have problems with focus, you find yourself pursuing things that you know or that prove to not be good for you. You may have a problem, again, living negationally. I don't have this, I must have it. I must go after it. I must have something. There's A trauma has been done to me. A victimization has been done to me. I need to fill that gap with something quick now. Rather than working on you know, meaningful long-term goals. And all of that takes us away and takes us into our wounded ego. And we've forgotten that we're part of this beautiful, awesome universe. Stand outside and look at the sky sometime and tell yourself, I'm a part of everything that I can see up there. I'm a star too. And I gotta shine. So me personally, I worked myself from the absolute bottom of Hawkins' model of consciousness. And again, it's it's a model, right? It's not like a hard fast rule. But I was I was shamed and humiliated for many years. 
because of things that happened to me and because I chose to be that. Because I chose to say, well, I know what people think about me and it's this. It's like, well, you think that about yourself. And the average person can now see your lack of confidence and can see your self-hatred and can see your humiliation. And maybe they're not wrong to think those things about you. So again, you choose. You get to choose what you want to be. I want to say this to you. You too, if you're living with shame, humiliation, guilt, grief, fear, desire, those are a reaction insofar as I can understand to things that have happened in the past. You need to make time to deal with them, but they cannot inform your present worldview to the point where it's ruining your life. You can begin to empower yourself now by taking these steps. Affirm what you are. Plainly, affirm what you are. A living, breathing human, part of something bigger, whether you like it or not. And then just start checking those boxes. Hey, I got up, I got out of bed. I got to work. Had a good conversation with someone today. I am someone that has good conversations. I am someone who can talk to others, right? I'm someone who's responsible. I pay rent. I'm on time, whatever it looks like. And then be grateful for those things that you have. Be grateful for those things that you have in the present. Sit down and be grateful. Feel that gratitude wash over you. You know, I'm not sure where you're listening to this from, but if you live in a free democratic society in peacetime, and there's places in the world that are not in peacetime right now, maybe be grateful you're not there. Although that's a form of negation, I suppose, but be grateful for your safety. Be grateful for your security. Be grateful that this world has spewed you out into it and you get to live and you get to choose and you get to decide how it all looks tell someone they're a self with an ego and watch them go to war tell someone that they're one with the universe and watch them find peace thank you for listening until I speak with you again please, please remember that better is possible